that the Lord has spared our lives to allow us this opportunity to be this morning. We're so thankful for your presence, and especially those that are visiting with us. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning as well. And those that are watching online, thank you for being with us, as we're always glad to be able to have that opportunity for you to be able to be with us during this worship service. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 6. So we'll be looking at verses 7 through 8 as we want to focus our minds from a letter that Paul had wrote to the church in Galatia based on the title, You Reap What You Sow, What You Sow. You know, many of us since childhood have heard those various words, your days are coming. That day might be soon and might be later, but you're going to reap what, you're, what you sow. And that's so true, isn't it? But listen to what the Apostle Paul said, beginning in verse 7. He says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I want to talk to you this morning about this divine law of sowing and reaping. And there are three things that I want to share with you that I believe that relate to this divine law. First of all, I want to suggest to you that it's an indisputable law. Indisputable. Again, Paul said, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There is no way that we can dispute this divine law. It is what it is. Now, someone once asked the question, what about the origin of this law? And who is the one that authored it? Well, you had to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And you might recall Moses talks about how God in heaven had spoke the world into existence. It was God that made us in his own image after his own likeness, verse 26. But in Genesis 1 and verse 11, we're introduced to the origin of the law of sowing and reaping in the natural realm, of where God said, let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And so we can understand that if you plant corn seed, you're going to get watermelon. Oh, no, that's not right. If you plant corn seed, you're going to get corn. That's pretty simple enough, right? If you plant tomato seed, you're going to get tomatoes. If you plant watermelon seed, you're going to get watermelon and so on and so forth after its own kind. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But what about the spiritual realm? That was the law of nature. But what about the spiritual law? Who authored that divine law? Well, again, what God said, because God said, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And so the origin of this law can be traced back to Almighty God. What about 
the operation of this law. Do we see it at work today? I think there is the evidence of divine law. Notice Genesis 1 verse 12. He says, Moses speaking by inspiration. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the yield and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. The same as today. And by the way, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, the law, that law also replies or also applies to the physical realm. You can't take monkeys and make a man or vice versa. <laughs> Although a lot of people believe that that's possible, but believing it doesn't make it possible, does it? Every seed brings forth according to its kind. That's true in the natural realm, but it's true in the spiritual realm as well. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 4, Hosea said, For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. And here's the reason. Because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And then he indicated them for their character or indicted them for their character. He said by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break out and blood touches blood. Here were people that should have had the knowledge of the law of God. And yet because they had abdicated the will of God. The law of God wasn't in their lives. People were living in a state of anarchy. And in verse 6 of that text, he said, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You see, when they got away from God and his word, they had no knowledge of God. And in verse 7 of Hosea 8, here's what the prophet said. For they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind there's the law of sowing and reaping God's people were going into captivity why because they were sowing to the flesh because they chose to violate this law that is indisputable now there's a second thing that we see in our study not only is the law of sowing and reaping an indisputable law it is also an indiscriminate law. Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There are no exclusions to this. Listen again. Paul said, for whatsoever a man soweth. That word man there in the original is anthropos. It means male or female. And what Paul was saying there is that this divine law applies to both male and female. There are no exclusions. It applies to those of us who are white, to those who are black, red, yellow, whatever color you might be. There are no exclusions. It applies to those who are rich. It applies to those who are poor. 
It applies to those who are educated, to those who are uneducated. It applies to the entirety of the human race. It is, as Paul said, no exclusions to the law. It is true in the natural realm. It is true in the physical realm. And thus, it's true in the spiritual realm also. But there's also a second thing we see here. Not only are there no exclusions, but there are also no exceptions. I know how people think, and you do as well. And there are always those who have the idea that they are the exception to the rule. You know them. They think they're above the law. They think that it'll never happen to me. I can do this, I can do that, I can say this, I can go there, I can do whatever. It'll never happen to me. I've got news for you. There are folks who have the idea that they can live as they please, do as they please, and ultimately they are the exception to the rule. Listen again to what Paul said here. Verse 7 of Galatians 6, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That word mocked here means to turn the nose up. And, and, and what they are doing is in scorn or derision. They're mocking God and saying that this law doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to us. Let me tell you what. This law does apply to you. It applies to every one of us that are here this morning and those that are outside of this building the entire human race. Paul said, whatsoever you sow, you will reap. Now think about people in our world today and how that they would subconsciously think of themselves and, wow, I can do this and get away with it. I'm the exception to the rule. How many people last night got into an automobile tanked up on alcohol or maybe drugs and they had that mindset, well, you know, I, I feel like I can drive. I, I'm just a short distance down the road here. I, I think I can make it home. And they don't. There's a problem. They think that they're the exception to the rule when they say do not drink and drive. How many people do you know that did that? I don't have to worry about being pulled over by the law. I can get away with it. A lot of folks think that way, don't they? A lot of people get tanked up on alcohol and in their mind and in their heart of hearts. I'll never have a wreck. I'll never have an accident. It happens all the time, but it, it's not going to happen to me. I'm the exception to the rule. But here's what the Bible says. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 20, verse 1. People fool themselves all the time, don't they? Into thinking that with the devil's brew, and a lot of folks have that idea, I can take a drink in here and have another drink, and it'll never enslave me. I can hold my own. I've heard that so many times. I can hold my liquor. Sure you can. That's what you think. But we know you can't. 
And yet there are many folks today that are alcoholics. All because in their mind and in their heart of hearts, what they're saying is that I'm the exception to the rule. The same is true with drugs, chemical substances. There are so many people that smoke pot and they say, you know what, it's just a little bit of weed. It'll never hurt anybody or anything. It's just a joint. And then before you know it, they've graduated to something else because it wasn't just enough to satisfy them. And one thing leads to another that leads to another. You know, it's only one drink that leads to another drink. But it was that first drink. It was only smoking pot that led to another drug that led to another drug. But it was that first joint. Ecstasy, crack, heroin, meth, and so on. But you see, in their hearts, their heart of hearts, they're saying, well, it'll never happen to me. I can hold my own. I'm the exception to the rule. And there are a lot of folks that are nothing more than just drug addicts today. And I mean, their lives are in the tank. All because they thought it will never happen to me, but it did happen to them. And it may be happening to you. But Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. No exclusions, no exceptions. And no, you are not an exception to the rule. In Romans 2 and verse 11, Paul said, for there is no respect of persons with God. And God doesn't show partiality. Paul would, Paul would reiterate that in Colossians 3 and verse 25 when he says, There is no partiality, there is no respecter of persons with God. You see, we're all on the same plane here, and so whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. But now how about you? What kind of sowing are you doing in your life? I don't know much about agriculture, but I have planted a garden for many years in the past. And I understand that I, when I went to that local co-op to get some seed to plant, I was able to notice in that local co-op that they had different sections for different seeds. So I would go and I'd get some watermelon seed, cantaloupe, honeydew. I'd get some tomato seeds and I would get some cucumber seeds and I would get some strawberries. I would get all those different things potatoes and so forth but I knew that if I went over to the watermelon seed that I wasn't going to find any tomato seed in that watermelon seed section and I knew that when I went over to the tomato seed I wasn't going to find watermelon or any other kind of seed that was it watermelon tomato whatever it took for me to plant I knew where to go because that's what I wanted and that's what I sowed, and therefore, that's what I was expecting to reap, the harvest. Never in my mind did I ever think, well, as I plant this corn, that I expect to get okra. Never in my mind did I plant the okra and expect it to get corn. 
We understand that. And you might think, well, this preacher, he's gone crazy. But I'm telling you this for a reason. Because when it comes to the spiritual realm, we're thinking we can plant watermelon seed and get corn or vice versa. I understand that whatsoever I sow, whether good or bad, in the spiritual realm, I'm going to reap. Now, there are a lot of folks that have in their minds that I can go about sowing bad seed and that I can pray that I don't have a crop failure. Like you're the exception to the rule. It doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way. Did you know that in many respects, you, you are a farmer? We all are farmers. We are sowing, whether good or bad, seed. Therefore, we're going to reap. But what seed in your life, whether good or bad, are you sowing today? Are you sowing to the flesh or are you sowing to the spirit? Guess what? You're sowing something. Whether good or bad, you're sowing something. And so Paul is saying that there are no exceptions. There are no exclusions. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Red, yellow, black, and white. It doesn't matter if you're middle-aged or young at heart. It doesn't matter. There are no exceptions. But there's a third thing that we notice here, and that is that it is an irrevocable law. This law was put into place by the God of heaven. And it will remain intact until the end of time. Now, with that in mind, there are three very specific things that we we see here. Number one, you're going to reap exactly what you sow. Right? Listen again to what Paul said, verse 8 of Galatians 6. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to sow to the flesh? Well, you back up and you look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And Paul said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and three words that really sums it all up, and such like. So even if it just looks like a second cousin to any of those, it's still bad. That's to the flesh. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you reap those things, I mean, if you sow those things, you're going to not reap eternal, eternal life in heaven. You're going to reap corruption. It's pretty simple enough, isn't it? Paul's saying you're not going to go to heaven, basically. Why is that? Because that's the kind of seed that you're sowing in life. A corruptible seed. What about the flip side? Drop down and look at verse 22. And think about your life as a garden. Here you are as a farmer. That's Hebrews 5, verse 22. You've got the seed and you're out here sowing that seed. You're either sowing the seeds of the flesh or you are sowing the seeds of the spirit. 
And if you're sowing the seeds of the flesh, then when harvest time comes, you will reap what you have sown. And you won't like what you have reaped. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will be blessed. Listen to him in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, that is, those who sow to the Spirit, here's what they're sowing. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Just think about this world in which we live and think about the vast majority of people that are sowing to the flesh. Why is it that we have corruption, hatred, murder, division, racial biases, and all these other things that are so despicable? Do you know why? Because that's the kind of seed that people are sowing in our world today. Now the flip side of that is our world could change dramatically. Now you talk about a revolution in our world. You talk about changing the complexion of our nation and of the world in which we live. What if every man, woman, and child were sowing the characteristics of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Can you imagine what this world be, would be like, what our nation would be, how different our world would be. Here's the key. You are the farmer. You are the sower of the seed. If you want this nation to change for the better, then you've got to sow the right kind of seed. I've got to sow the right kind of seed. We are reaping the bitter harvest if we're not sowing the right kind of seed. People who have been sowing to the flesh are now reaping the worst, the worst kind of harvest. Go back again and look again at the book of Hosea where they had abdicated the will of God, the word of God, and as a result of that, they were swearing and lying and killing and they were stealing and committing adultery. And then he said, they break all restraint. Why was that? It's because they didn't want to live for God and they didn't want to adhere to his word. And so he said, here it is in a capsule form, the state of the nation. If they sow to the wind, you can mark it down. You better believe it. They're going to reap the whirlwind. And that is exactly what they had sown. And so number one, you've got to reap exactly what you sow. Number two, you will reap more than what you sow. Have you ever thought about the abundance of fruit that comes forth from one grain of seed? You plant one corn seed, and if it comes up, you're going to get more than one ear of corn on that stalk. Now, of course, we wouldn't just plant one seed because the chances are it might not because the crows come in and the blackbirds come in and they, they'll find that seed and eat it. So you plant many so that the devil don't come in and take it away. But can you, can you imagine that in your mind, the abundance of the fruit? When you look at Galatians 5, 19 through 23 and contrast the works of the flesh 
with verse 22 and 23, the works of the Spirit, you can see how that those who sow to the flesh, they can, they, they can reap an abundant harvest, but by the same token, those who sow to the Spirit, they will reap an abundant harvest. But it might not be the harvest that you wanted. One is good, the other is bad. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, okay? Go, go back with me to 2 Samuel, if you will. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And it's here that we have this, this particular account. This particular account of, of Nathan the prophet. And he's standing before King David. And he's telling him a parable. And the parable was intended to wake him up to what he had done with Bathsheba. Who was the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And you remember that King David had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. She was married to another guy. They weren't supposed to be together. Uriah the Hittite was her husband. And so in an effort to conceal what he had done, he set things into motion. He put Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, at the front of the battle so he would die. Two wrongs don't make a right. But he thought that would be the way to do it. Oh, he tried to get Uriah to come in and he would bring him in from the battle. He said, you, you need to go visit with your wife. Go with Bathsheba and be with her. You know why? She got pregnant. And he thought, well, if I can get Uriah to come back, and he, can, he will think it's his. Uriah was loyal to the army of King David. He says, it's not fair for me to go and be with my wife when all of these other soldiers can't be with their wives. Oh, no, no, it'd be okay, King David said. You go in and be with your wife. He tried it two or three times. Uriah was loyal. Loyal to the army and King David. And so he didn't go in there. In 2 Samuel 11 and verse 27, the Bible says... But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And so what about reaping more than what you have sown? Listen to what Nathan said to David. 2 Samuel 12, beginning with verse 7. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king of Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Think about this for a minute. David knew the law of God, didn't he? He knew it well. He knew the Ten Commandments and God had said, Thou shalt not murder. Exodus 20 and verse 13. He said, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. He said, you are not to cover your neighbor's house, nor your neighbor's wife. And what did David do? Every one of those. He had Uriah killed. He stole the wife of Uriah. Then he cloaked it. And then he, would, he thought in his mind he could get away with it. He thought he was an exception to the rule. 
He coveted Uriah's wife. He committed adultery. And the list goes on and on and on. The point is, he sowed a lot of bad seed. So now look at verse 10 of 2 Samuel 12. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Please understand this. David, you're going to reap more than what you have sown. That's right. Don't you know he's going to reap more than what he has sown? Because he said there in verse 11, not only will I raise up adversity against you from your own house, I'll take your wives before your eyes and I'll give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his son. Not only did it impact David, but guess what? It impacted his family as well. We need to wake up, don't we? There's a third thing. That not only will you reap exactly what you sow, not only will you reap more than what you sow, but you will reap later than you sow. How many times do we fool ourselves into thinking, well... You know, I did a lot of bad stuff back in the day, and I got away with it. I, I don't see any problems, adverse problems in my life right now, and maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. Well, let me tell you, your days are coming. Just because you don't see the effects of what have you been doing in your life right now doesn't mean that it won't affect you later. Doesn't mean that you're not going to reap what you have sown. I, I remember going to work for Babbitt's Bindery. They, they were members of the Lord's Church. And they, they were very successful in this business. That's putting books together, kind of like your Bibles and other books you might have in your library. But they'd done very well in this business. And I remember of what he told me on one occasion. He said, listen, here's what you need to understand about this business. He said, what you do or don't do today may or may not have a bearing on you today. But what you do or don't do today could have a bearing on you in three months from now or in a year from now. And so what he was saying is that if you don't sow seed today, you're not going to have anything to show for it in three months. And what I'm trying to say is simply this, that there are a lot of people that try to fool themselves and think, I'm not going to have to pay for what I've done. As if you were the exception to the rule. But it doesn't work that way. That just because you don't see the results of what you have been sowing, don't think that you got somehow away with it. There is a divine law intact, and it is irrevocable. And the bottom line is this, that whatever you sow, you will reap. There are sometimes people who ask this question, well, they ask, well, can I be forgiven of it? Well, you can only be forgiven if you repent. That means to turn away from that which you have been doing wrong, make restitution wherever possible. And as long as you repent, you can be forgiven. But you see, sometimes we sow bad seed and the harvest begins to come in and we realize we're in a lot of trouble. You know, the prodigal son of Luke 15, he was a good example of that. You might remember that he went out and he sowed his wild oats, right? 
He went out into the far country. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And what happened? Well, the Bible says he hit rock bottom. Once all that money was gone, his friends left too, because the friends are only there when you got money. He hit rock bottom. He ended up in the, in the pig's field. And in Luke 15, 17, the Bible says, he came to himself. He fairly thought within himself, whoa, wait a minute. That light went off. You know what? I've sown a lot of bad seed and I've got to step up to the plate. I've got to acknowledge what I've done. I'm going to go back to my father. He's thinking this. I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I'm no longer to be called thy son. Make me one of your servants. And that's exactly what he did when he got to his father's house and he saw his father. He said, Father, I'm no longer to be called thy son. Make me, one of, make me one of your servants. Just because you can be forgiven like the prodigal son was. Just because we can be forgiven does not mean we're not going to have to bear the consequences of what we have done. Now it may be the case that because of what we have sown... The nature of what we have sown, the consequences are great. But on the other hand, it may be the case that because of what we have sown, the consequences will be minimal. But for every action, there is a corresponding reaction. We have a few fellows that we're in correspondence with in prison right now that have realized the hard way that there were consequences for their actions. They have sown bad seed, now they're reaping the bad harvest. But they can be forgiven. And many of them have obeyed the gospel while in prison. And as long as they continue in repentance, they will be forgiven. And heaven can be their home. They have sown the bad seed. Now they're reaping the bad harvest. We need to understand, and especially for our young people, need to understand today. And that is if you get out and you act like a wild person and do a lot of bad things, don't be surprised when you have to suffer the consequences of it. I don't want that to happen to any one of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said that some of them had been living in fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality. Some were even thieves. Some were drunkards. Some were extortioners. And in verse 11 he said... And such were some of you. I want to ask this question, and I want you to think about it very deeply. Were they forgiven? Such were some of you. That means they used to be that way. They've repented. They'd obeyed the gospel. And that they're living for God from that point on. But because of some of the things they had done... Were there consequences? Well, you know there was. Some have lost their reputations. Some were stained forever. Some, because of what they had done, no doubt suffered greatly because they had hurt other people, friends, family members, and so on and so forth. Don't ever think that that little sin that you think is little won't affect a whole lot of other people. And it will. Will you pray with me? Our Father which art in heaven, we're so thankful for your loving care for each one of us. 
Father, we pray that we'll sow the right kind of seed in our lives. Sometimes, Father, we, we understand that we'll sow bad seed. And Father, we pray that we'll be able to have the heart, the wisdom to choose to sow good seed so that our lives might be blessed and we could be a blessing to others. And we ask that you would bless every one of us, bless our young people, and especially give them the wisdom and the courage to do what's right. Forgive us in the end, save us in Jesus' name. You might be here, not a Christian. We want to encourage you to become a child of God, to put away those things that you've been doing wrong and start doing things right. And God's Word gives us that ability. And if you want to be the one that can change this world, you first got to become a New Testament Christian. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? John 8, 24 says that if you don't, you're going to die in your sins. You don't want to die in your sins. Upon your belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, are you willing to make a change in your life called repentance? Luke 13, 3 says that if you don't, you're going to die in your sins. If upon that repentance you're willing to make that good confession of the sweet name of Jesus that He is the Son of God, and that he died for you, Romans 10, 9 and 10, then you'll be willing to go down into the waters of baptism and have those sins washed away. The remission of sin, the forgiveness of sins, to rise, to walk in newness of life, a new person, a new person, to then continue to live faithfully to the will of God so that heaven can be your home. You might be here already, a child of God. You've done those things. But Satan is relentless. He won't give up. And he lost you as a child of God. When you became a child of God, he wants you back. He'll do everything possible to win you back. Which means he might tempt you to the point that you will yield to that temptation and find yourself back in that Sinful world doing those sinful things. Galatians 5, 9 through 20. To then be lost. But you can repent. Turn away from those. You can pray that God will forgive you and we'd be more than happy to pray with you and for you as well. I had to ask the question. Number 514 is the song of encouragement. 514. That we stand in song.